0: Welcome to the January 2007 edition of the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com podcast. We're calling this one the Peter David edition. We're lucky enough to have our friendly neighborhood writer, Peter David, with us on the show. Peter, thanks for joining us.
1: Glad I could be here.
0: Thank you. And we've also got uh, our regulars, Jr. say hello to the man. Uh, hello, Peter. Glad to be talking to you. You and, too, Jr. And we've got Morbius, not Morbius. Hey, Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> And we've also got Kevin, a.k.a. Spidey Dude, on the hey, show. I'm hey, I'm
1: Spidey Dude.
0: All right, guys. As you know, Peter is the regular writer on the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man title. He's been doing it for more than a year. And, Peter, just kind of talk a bit about your, your thoughts on the book after a year, the pros and cons. What do you think?
2: Um, well, I really feel that I'm finally getting my footing on the book. It took a few issues uh, that had some bumps and bruises along the way, storylines that got derailed or heavily influenced because of events that were occurring in the other Spidey titles. Right. I mean, I had developed the, the concept of, of of Peter Parker staying on as a teacher at Midtown High. I mean, I wasn't the one who put him there initially, Straczynski was. Right. But I thought that I would really focus on that, bring back Flash Thompson, do stories that... Centered at the high school, you know, really kind of try to underscore the whole, the whole neighborhood aspect of it,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then that got uh, kneecapped by the uh, by the reveal of his identity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, little things like that.
0: <laughs> Just minor um, plot twists. <laughs>
2: various villains and characters that I want to use were taken off the table, so you know, for for a variety of reasons. So, for a few issues, I kind of found myself sort of just treading water or just trying to come up with stuff as I faded, you know, ten yards and punted because (laughs) particular storylines that I wanted to do and that I planned to do, I had to put off in order to match up with the timing of Civil War and uh, the unmasking.
0: Right.
2: All things that I really had not been expecting when I first started on the series. On the other hand, uh, in the words of Super Chicken, I knew the job was dangerous (laughs) when I took it. So I'm not complaining so much as just simply stating as unabashedly and straightforwardly as I can that I really feel it's only been since around the Mysterio story arc that we've really started to get the book to where I want it to be. And now I'm, I'm extremely satisfied with
0: right. the
2: direction that the book is in and the current status quo. Right.
0: And talk a bit about, you know, you're, you're a writer during one of the, the biggest changes in Spider-Man's history. You know, he revealed yeah. his ID to, I, I, identity to the world. I mean, what's mm-hmm. that? What, what what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you've been reading Spider-Man since you were a kid, I imagine, just like the rest mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. What's your thoughts on revealing to the world?
2: Well, my attitude is, oh, good story opportunities. I mean, when you really, it's really no more involved than that. When you're doing a character who's been around for four decades, Mm -hmm. there is the creeping sense that no matter what you do, there's going to be a sense of déjà vu. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be argued that to a certain degree, we've been spinning our wheels since Amazing Spider-Man 33. You know, the master, you know the, the climax of the Master Planner story. Right. A sequence, you know, where Spidey lifts the hunk of junk off himself and gets the cure to Aunt May and feels good about himself for the first time. Right. Um, you know, I, I really feel that since then, every, everything that we've been doing is to a certain degree more of the same. And, you know, the first real shake-up was, you know, since that time, was uh, uh, Peter getting married. Mm -hmm. And since then, again, you know, you can very easily fall into this sense of samishness. So the concept that he's gone public with his identity, well, at least it opens up a plethora of new directions and new story angles for us to approach. So, you know, good. Exactly. Something, something new for us to explore.
0: I guess the, you know, the average fan is kind of worried that this is going to be turned around in say a year or two, kind of like Aunt May. You know, she dies and then she gets better mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. What, mm-hmm. th- what, thoughts on that? I mean, are, are, from is that possible? I, sure, it is. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's, it's, it's comics. Anything is possible. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um,
2: so, I mean, if you can, there, there's, I, I, I would love to be able to say no, that could never happen. <laughs> but you know, come on. I yeah. mean, of course it could.
0: You know, you're, so, if you accept a guy that can stick to a wall, you're in for a penny and for a pound, you know? Yeah, pretty
2: much. <laughs> pretty much, and if Marvel ever uh, does, uh, you know, the, the thing is that anything that Marvels do, there's going to be people who are going to scream in protest, and there's going to be people who say hooray. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Marvel ever does a storyline in which we undo the revelation, uh, however, we would choose to do it. There's going to be people who shout hooray, and there's going to be people who are going to cry foul, and that's just the way it goes. I the, mean, the nobody, key... nobody yeah. can get into this industry and think for a moment that you can make everybody happy because yeah. it's just impossible.
0: But the key is everybody's talking about the book and Spider-Man, so that's what they want mm-hmm. ideally. So. Yeah. Guys, but you guys are awful quiet. Do you want to ask some Peter David questions about these topics we've talked about so far? I'm just
4: kind of listening to the man talk. It's <laughs> yeah. enough for me.
0: <laughs> Literally a fly on the wall. J.R., anything to discuss about the ID and the pros and cons of the first year of Friendly Neighborhood?
1: Uh, uh, no, not right now. Although I, I, I Well, we could be wrapping this sucker up in <laughs> <laughs> I will <won't laughs> say I think I was one of the few that actually liked the uh, the um, 2211 uh, Spider-Man Oh, you're the
3: one. I'm a sucker. <laughs> I, I'm
1: I'm I'm not a big fan of Spidey and sci-fi stories, but yeah. I'm a sucker for time travel and parallel universe stories. Well, you know what? Uh, you know what's. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and there seemed to be like a lot left on the table when, uh, the 20, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the 2099 line, but it just seemed there was a lot still left on the table, like the identity of, uh, the, the Green Goblin, who I believe Peter intended to be Father Jennifer, and it just seemed yeah. there were still a few unexplored, uh, roads to take, and then, you know, when Spider-Man, you know, the regular titles by the guy who originally wrote the 2099 title seemed to be a mm-hmm. logical
2: way to go, so. Well, I mean, you see, here, the, 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 the uh, the 2211 storyline developed out of two things. Number one, uh, I'd want to do the Mysterio storyline, but because of the reveal of his identity, I wound up having to push that back for a few issues. To say nothing of the fact that I also had to delay it for a few months because Mysterio was just being used in the finally completed Black Cat storyline, and we didn't want to have Mysterio back-to-back, so I had to find something to do for three months to push that off. Uh, and I wanted to have Spider-Man 2099 guest star. I wanted to do a future-oriented story, but Spider-Man 2099 was running around in exiles. Right. So you know, you start going, <clears throat> you start going with the process of elimination. We're saying, okay, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. What can I do? And I wanted to do something that was going to be major in Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man that would get people talking. That would at least get, as to some degree as much attention as the Spider-Man unmasking. Mm -hmm. And the concept of having Uncle Ben show up at the end of Aunt May's date with uh, Jarvis seemed like an interesting way to go. I think, you know what, what the hell, why not, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that fan objections to the Uncle Ben storyline or the storyline involving the Mexican wrestler seem to stem not from the quality of the story themselves, so much as that they just bitch about the idea. Oh, Spider Man's involved with a Mexican wrestler. That's dumb. Well, I personally don't think so. I think Mexican wrestlers are cool. And sure, we have so many Hispanic characters running around the Marvel universe. So God knows why we you know God knows why we would need a Mexican character running around. That's so dumb. We have so many. So many Mexican (laughs) characters. um, And the concept of doing an alternate version, you know, an alternate timeline Uncle Ben, I feel like they're just bitching about the concept rather than the story or its execution. I see almost no comp, I see almost no complaints about the execution of the story itself. They just seem to crab about the idea. But if we were doing. An alternate universe Uncle Ben in an issue of Exiles. People will go, "Oh, well, that's really cool." Yeah. Which, which I have to admit, I don't, I really don't comprehend. I mean, when I did a, when I did a storyline in Captain Marvel that involved Spider-Man twenty ninety nine and the Maestro. Mm-hmm. People crapped about it and complained that I was just, it was just navel gazing on my part and I was just recycling my old ideas. They did a storyline in Exiles involving the Maestro and Spider-Man 2999 and Justice. It was, you know, sort of like, you know, a Peter David's greatest hit (laughs) storyline. People loved it! (laughs) And I'm sitting
0: there going, okay, am I just being
2: held to a different standard, or what the hell is going on here?
0: Man, you can't win. It's back to that same point. You can't please all the fans all the time. Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. So at any rate, you know, so that's where the uh, the twenty two eleven storyline came from. It was was my answer to the unmasking because you know, hey, let's bring back Uncle Ben, shake people up at least for a few issues. Topic. Oh, go ahead. And uh, you know, let's. We can't do Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Well, you know what? I I do have Spider Man twenty two eleven running around from the um, from the current from uh, that old uh, one shot that I did right. with the two Spider Mans, right. and it broke me up because I had the retcon bombs in that, <laughs> and, people comp- and people and I people and people come. Thank you. And people complain <laughs> that I ripped it off from an issue of She Hulk and I'm going, Dude, I did it in nineteen ninety four. What do you want from? me?
0: <laughs> kinda of along the same line. What what's the differences back, you know, when you were writing spectacular Spider Man as opposed to the friendly neighborhood Spider Man? What's some differences from the eighties until now? It sounds like the Rubik's Cube that you have to coordinate with so many different people is, is mainly a big difference.
2: Yeah, I I don't I don't know that, that there's that much difference. It seems to me that the biggest difference is that the tone and style of the three books that were coming out at the time were far more clearly delineated. Amazing spider at least when I was involved in writing, Amazing Spider-Man was the traditional, fun Spider-Man book. And, uh, and uh, Spec Spidey was supposed to be the dark you know, serious kind of Hill Street Blues type book. That's why we always have the credits at the very end with white printing uh, on black to yeah. evoke the ending of Hill Street Blues. And Web of Spider-Man was going to involve travel. There's going to be Peter Parker going to all kinds of different places. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were, there were three very, very, very different in tone and style and, and story content. Now, it with the three, the three uh, core books that exist, I'm not quite as clear as to what the editorially mandated differences are. I know what the writers seem to be coming up with, but uh, there doesn't seem to be quite as clear an editorial mandate as to what we're going for in each of the books. Plus, now you've got Ultimate Spider-Man in the mix, mm-hmm. and you've got Marvel Adventures Spider-Man in the mix.
0: Right. He, and, you know, he all he's these spread out books. a lot more than he was back in the day, in my opinion. <laughs> his, his five or six titles he's in. Yeah, he is. Um, also, the the uh, the other big
2: difference is that his non-superpower supporting cast seems mm-hmm. to have become greatly diminished. Right. Um He w- he's become much more. He's become much more. You know, the Avengers have become his supporting cast, and how mm-hmm. the hell can you have the Avengers be someone's supporting cast? Yeah. It's 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 kind of ridiculous. So that's why in Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, I've been making more of an effort to bring back the more traditional supporting cast members. Flash right. Thompson, Betty, I've reached into the midst of the past and brought back Deb Whitman, you know, uh, that kind of thing.
0: Right. That was actually leading him in to my next question about the lack of supporting cast. Okay. Uh, is De- Deb Whitman, do you think she's going to be around uh, after this arc? Or I guess he can't.
2: Uh, she, she does show up on the phone okay. uh, in in an, up, in an upcoming issue. Um, I am probably going to to bring her back back. Uh, in short order, because mm-hmm. what the hell? We introduced her, and you know the, the fan response seems to be pretty good. So maybe we'll have her stick around for a few more issues.
0: As a fan myself, one of the things I really miss is the interaction at the Daily Bugle, you know, with Jay mm-hmm. Jonah and Robbie and everything. That, any, any plans with that? I know you're you're trying to tackle the supporting cast a little bit more, but any plans for Jay Jonah? Well, I
2: have done I have done some stuff with them. Right. I mean, Jonah fe- featured very heavily in the Mexican wrestler storyline. Right. Um, he did show up at the end of the uh, of the Vulture storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I'm going to be doing something that centers at the Daily Bugle, I'm not entirely sure. Right. I mean, part of it, of course, is that Peter is our our entryway into these other venues, and I don't think that, that Peter can exactly go strolling into the Daily Bugle with yeah. pictures for Spider-Man these days. Right. Um, but that indeed, that's one of the reasons that I reintroduced Betty Brandt so that we can have the option of switching over to the Daily Bugle and have things that happen there matter, because if Betty Brant's involved actively in the storyline for Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, then we can do stuff at the Bugle and have it matter to the ongoing storyline in a way other than that we're just playing Jonah Jameson for comedy relief.
0: Right. Also, Liz Allen. We haven't seen Liz Allen in a while either.
2: Well, there's there's just oh there's so many freaking females we're so going to bring you into this book.
0: <laughs> I mean,
2: come on, we got Deb, we got <laughs> yeah, Betty. It's,
0: yeah, I don't have anything to do. Heck, I'm doing heck with throw this. Felicia in there too if you're at, while you're at it. <laughs> well, Felicia's
2: a whole another. Felicia's a whole another, you know, bag of donuts.
0: Yeah, we don't want your book to be delayed any. I think she might be a curse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, look, yeah,
0: pretty much whenever I bring in Felicia Hardy, I'm then
2: fired off a book. So you know, we'll probably oh, say probably want to stay away from her
0: was that was that in spectacular is that what happened or? yeah
2: pretty much well i don't think it was really connected to her um
0: okay. but yeah when
2: when i was fired off of spec spidey you know was shortly after uh you know shortly after i finished up with felicia she went away then i went away it's like oh oh well i'm
0: gonna bring her <laughs> she, back anytime she so. is bad luck i tell yeah, you yeah really <laughs> i mean if you introduce her keep
4: her yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah <keep> in... <laughs> also, you're writing the uh, Sp- uh, Spider-Man three uh, movie novelization. I Already written probably... it, yeah. Yeah, you've probably been sworn to secrecy. Uh, I you Absolutely,
2: into... I, I signed a an, an, uh, yeah. non-disclosure agreement. Uh,
0: can you, in the broadest of terms, can you say how it stacks up on paper against the other two movies?
2: I could, but it doesn't mean anything because if yeah. there's one thing that
0: I've realized, mm-hmm. it's that you
2: absolutely cannot judge the film based Mm -hmm. on the script you just can't i mean i I learned that years ago when i read two screenplays for upcoming summer movies because i was going to be doing comic book adaptations of the both of them i wound up only doing one as it turned out but based purely on the scripts i was convinced that the rocketeer was going to be the smash hit of the summer. Mm-hmm. And that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, was going to sink without a trace, and it was the exact opposite. <laughs> um, so when I, I mean when I read the when I read the screenplay for the first Spider-Man movie, I felt like it was just you know knocked out of the park. I had mm-hmm. every you know I every conviction. When I read the second the script for the second film, I had some trepidation because my concern was that it seemed to me as if the script for Spider-Man 2 essentially hit all the same emotional beats as the first film that there was absolutely no new ground being covered and the only difference was that at the end Mary Jane stayed with him you know um, rather, you know, that he gets the girl rather than losing her so it was all the emotional beats of the first Spider-Man film except for the end
3: right.
2: and that concerned me But, you know, the film came out and people loved it and they loved all the action scenes with Dr. Octopus and they loved that Peter and Mary Jane were together at the end. And absolutely no reviews that I read commented on the fact that it was all the same emotional beats. Either they didn't notice or they noticed but absolutely didn't give a crap. (laughs) So, you know, I I mean, I will say this, speaking, you know, as broadly as I can, that... The third film doesn't suffer from to my mind the problems of the second, which apparently were problems only to me um, <laughs> the, it you know the, it 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 really plums new territory for Peter parker and for spider man
0: did uh, of the two movies, which one did you prefer one or two
2: Well, I liked one for the reasons that i stated um right. I, I you know it was new, it was very faithful to the book. I thought the second one was technically dazzling. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought that that Dr. Octopus was, you know, I I thought that the actor was great, and I thought that the the effects were were really impressive. But overall, I liked the first one better.
0: But, you know, I thought they were
2: both very strong. Yeah.
0: All right, my last question. then I'm going to turn it over to the fellows for their question. Just talk a bit, Peter, about the interaction of your fans online. They can do it through email, through podcasts like this one, mm-hmm. uh, through your web page. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, it's it's putting the fans and the creators a little bit closer together. I think.
2: Right. Well, I mean, no, there's you know there's good and bad aspects to it, as with all things in life. Um. You know, on the, there was something to be said about. Having a veil between the fans and the mm-hmm. uh, and and the, and the creators, and there was something to be said about everything being a surprise. The example that I use, the you know these days, and I've used it before, but what the hell, I'll use it again,
3: <laughs> is that when I
2: was when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, I read Amazing, you know, I, I I was a Spider-Man reader, and I read Amazing Spider-Man number one hundred. Do you remember what happened at the end of Amazing Spider-Man number 100?
0: Right, with with the extra arms. Right. Right. Now, when
2: I read that as a kid, my reaction was, oh, my God, he has four extra arms. Holy (laughs) crap! What the hell is going to happen now? How will he be able to hide this from Gwen? How is it going to be, you know, oh, my Lord, what's going to happen? And I was freaked. Because, you know, to my mind, this was just the most amazing development ever. Oh, you know, know, whopping web snappers, kids. You know, Spidey's got four extra arms. How is he going to get out of this one? tune in tune next in. month true believers yeah. you know
0: just, You know, <laughs> everyone's, a pretty good Stan
2: well anybody <laughs> Stanley's like Ethel Merman anyone can do a Stan impression you know anyone can do Stan anyone can do Merman it, it's that, it's that kind know. of thing anyone can do a Stan impression <laughs>
3: um,
2: I, I said so my four year old could do a Stan impression it's not that big <laughs> a trick um, so you know and, and that to me was the magic of comics Mm-hmm. And the Internet and the fan interaction, to some mm-hmm. degree, to a huge degree, finishes that. Because if that were happening now, and I were a kid reading comic books now, and I was on the Internet now, I would know three months ahead of time <laughs> that that was going to be happening, yeah. and I would yeah. have been subject to three months of fans declaring that it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened, that yeah. it is monumentally stupid, that there's no way that Spider Man could just grow four additional arms. Where's he getting the muscle mass, the bone, the tissue, the blood? It's impossible. <laughs> that yeah. there's no way that this is going to last, that this is going to last maybe an issue or two at most, and then it's going to go back to what it was. And boy, isn't Marvel dumb and isn't Marvel stupid? And there's every likelihood that there would be you know, that that the creators of the book would be coming in and saying, "Will you please at least freaking read the thing before making any kind of judgment?" What the hell is wrong with you people? And the fans would be responding, "What's wrong is that we hate what you've done with the book and you're ruining it, and so on and so forth and yada yada." And people wonder why younger fans aren't you know
0: reading aren't reading them. comics.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's because they know too freaking much. Maybe it's because they hear too freaking much. Yeah. You know?
0: What you going to do? Well, yeah. you know,
2: so, I mean, is that the only reason that fewer people are reading comics? No, of course not. Fewer people are reading everything. Sales are down in comics. Sales are down in magazines. Sales are down on books. Fewer mm-hmm. people are reading. That's just a fact. Yeah. But it ain't helping. It is sure not helping. Now, the positive aspect, of course, is that uh, you you do get feedback from the readers, and every so often it's intelligent, um, which always (laughs) helps. And you you can also use the Internet to get word out about projects, story developments that you would not have been able to before. That's
0: true. There's pros and cons. There's pros and
2: cons. The thing that I've really noticed about the Internet, and the thing that fascinates me, is that when people bitch up one side and down another about a storyline, I sit there and I go, okay, smells like a hit.
3: <laughs>
1: if,
2: on the other hand, they rave about it, I feel a cold chill at the base of my spine. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the owner of more reviews that say, this book is fantastic, why isn't it selling better than probably any other writer in the industry, right? <laughs> yeah. So there is this gargantuan disconnect between what sells in the real world and what People on the internet like and think that should be selling the you know the, it's not like this is limited to uh, to comic books again I mean if the internet were the final arbiter of or reflective of what happens in the real world, then there would be exactly one mutant book being published, and it would be a moderate <laughs> seller. Why the last man would be selling a quarter million copies. And snakes on a plane would have made four hundred million dollars,
0: <laughs> and Tom DeFalco would be a hit writer with Spider girl also yeah yeah
2: exactly i mean it's just right. it's just insane
0: well j r 'm hit Peter david up with some of your questions that you 've uh, prepared okay.
1: well let 's see if I can uh, get through this first part without sounding like a complete and total suck up um, but, <laughs> but i was uh, I was always a big fan of peter 's classic Star trek comics um Mm -hmm. I'm a a classic Star Trek fan. There were two that really stuck out in my mind, and they were both on the second DC run. Okay. Uh, The first was um, the uh, the story where a a young security guard, recently assigned to the Enterprise, is killed, saving Captain Kirk's life. Funny Funny story about that one. Funny story about that one. Yeah, and he finds out that he doesn't have a clue who this young man was. Yeah. And um, I really like that one. And then. In the trial of Captain Kirk, when uh, Sarek uh, tells Spock about, you know, his, he notices, you know, his friendship with uh, Kirk and McCoy, and he asks him, you know, well, Spock, how you how do you define a friend? And Spock does it, and uh, it was yep. really cool. And and well, it ends you. by by saying, uh, a friend is someone who can call you a pointy-eared gob- hobgoblin, and still you trust him with your soul. So yes, <laughs>
2: so. Uh, oh yeah, I, I can actually write. Um. The, the, the funny thing about the one, the, the the funny thing about the one that you're mentioning, the um, uh, the one about the uh, the young security guard who dies. Interesting little anecdote about that. That was my last issue of Star Trek, as it turned out. And what happened was was that the issue before that one, I, I was getting increasing flack from a Paramount representative who shall go nameless, Richard Arnold. Um, (laughs) who was coming up with new and more elaborate, new and more insane reasons to reject. I'm not saying he was insane, but the reasons were to reject the stories that I was coming up with, up to and including, uh, we can't do the storyline about Kirk having a girlfriend because Kirk is no longer interested in women. That was one of my
0: uh, (laughs) personal favorites. (laughs)
2: That is, crazy. and there was one story that he rejected completely and would not let DC do, because he said there was too much violence in it, and all the violence had taken place off-panel, and I, I felt like I couldn't do more. I couldn't do more to have something nonviolent than not show it. But he said there was too much violence, so I wrote that security guard episode. I wrote that security guard issue as a test. To see whether it was the stories or whether it was me, and I made sure to put far more on-panel violence in that story than in the previous like six issues combined. And it was, and I wrote it in a different type of style, in a different formatting, and I signed a fake name to it. And Bob Greenberger sent it off to Richard Arnold, saying, "Well, we're going to be getting a fill-in for this issue." Uh, We're going to do a fill-in writer. What do you think of this story? And Richard approved the story without any requirements for changes. And that's the point uh, point at which I knew that was it. That was my last issue of Star Trek because this was just getting ridiculous. Um, Interesting little point of information, the fake name that I attached to the story was Robert Bruce Banner. (laughs) Well, I figured I'd be sporting about it, but naturally he didn't get it. Man,
0: what a dick.
1: Well, I, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, apparently he, you're not the only one he treated that way. I think, uh, Margaret, and I'm gonna butcher her name horribly, uh, Margaret Wander Bonono, um Margaret Wander Bonano. <laughs> <No, thank you. laughs> Margaret Wander Bonano. Like uh, well, I, I told you I was wow. gonna butcher it. Uh, but <laughs> Wander Bonanno,
2: Margaret she, Wander
1: Bonano. Okay. She wrote, um what was originally Probe. Uh, and it was originally oh, titled. Well, Probe's to... a
2: whole nother story. I mean, yeah. probe is. <laughs> probe... It is... If, 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 if it you mention just...
1: him by name, but it's it's clearly him she's talking about. So yeah, if,
2: if well, probe probe was just a living freaking nightmare. I mean, if you if you want to just watch Star Trek, editors shudder to this day. Just mention the word probe around them, and they'll go, <laughs> bang, you know, like that. <laughs> Jerry,
1: got any other well, questions? Just, for Peter? Uh, just one real quick question is: uh, okay. Should Captain Kirk have died the way he did in Generations, and should they bring him back and and uh, kind of put salve on that old wound uh, that's plaguing a lot of us old classic fans?
4: There's
2: there's no way he should have died in that. I mean there's 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 no freaking way. I mean you know this. Very good. He, he, he he get he gets killed as the result of the machinations of some villain that nobody ever heard of, saving some planet that nobody gives a crap about. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, not so much. I mean, although at least the way that he died in the film as released was better than what they originally had.
0: Yeah, they had him shot in the back. Yeah, originally
2: they things. just shoot him in the back, right. and they they did that in test screenings, and test screening audiences said no freaking way. And I mean, to me, the the delineation be, between Kirk and Picard was underscored by this when Kirk, when, Picard, when 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 Sauron is starting to cross the bridge, and he stops, and you see that Picard is on the other side of the bridge waiting for him, blocking his path. The audience reaction was, and my theater was not alone in this, the audience reaction when Picard is facing him was kind of like a polite, oh, well, I wonder what's going to happen now, right? (laughs) When Soren started to cross the bridge and stopped and Kirk was waiting for him, there was a thunderous ovation because the reaction was, "All right, someone's getting his ass kicked now. <laughs> Kirk's here. That's it. Hey, Malcolm McDowell, you should have stayed playing polite time travelers, you know Because you are going down, my friend, so you know no doubt. And indeed Kirk did, in fact kick his ass I mean, this is, right. I mean this is a guy who can bitch slap Klingons and make them cry for their model you think, you think he can't take out Malcolm McDowell You might as well be selling Roddy McDowell I mean he's still going to take out.
0: wow on that note Spotty Dude what's your questions for Peter
1: well no Star Trek ones unfortunately I have several but uh, I'll try to keep them brief yeah. um, my first question is is uh what do you see most in yourself with Peter Parker,
2: the character? Oh, that's what, a Star Trek what? question. Okay, that could be. No, that's not a Star Trek question. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what do I see most in Peter Parker, in myself, aside from the uh, fact yeah. that we so have the, the same first name?
0: First name? Oh, <laughs> we're on the same thought process. Yeah, then. really. <laughs> um,
2: and and we both have you know first and we both have you know, last names that can work as first names also. Oh, right?
3: there you go. Um, yeah.
2: I suppose. I
3: (laughs) I suppose
2: what we share and what I what I like so much about the character, at least in terms of having an affinity for him, is the fundamental sense of insecurity that no matter how well things are going, there's always something in the back of our mutual minds that say it can't last. It's too good. Something's going to go wrong. Um, You know, with with with. In my case, it probably stems from. You know, in, in Peter's case. I think it comes from his original sin, that because he failed to stop the the burglar from killing, you know, because he failed to stop the burglar who then later killed his uncle Ben, I think he fundamentally believes that he's not deserving of true happiness, that he really feels that sooner or later something's got to go wrong because he is eternally cursed, that he can never fully expiate his original sin. In my case, it's because I'm a middle-aged neurotic Jew, <laughs> but
3: <laughs>
2: it still really stems from you know. But we still have that same fundamental insecurity. Hmm. Okay. It's ready to any more questions. Yeah, I got a
1: couple. Um, okay. Uh, will we ever see a true pure Parker J. John Jameson confrontation? Will we see it? When we see it in your title, or do you think we'll see it in another title? Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't. I didn't
2: quite hear you properly. A true. Parker, J. and Jameson, what? Confrontation. Conversation. Conversation?
0: Yeah. Oh, conf- conf- confrontation. Conversation? Oh, confrontation I think after the re- yeah. pro- after the rematch. Oh, uh, you um, mean the, uh, after,
2: after the reveal. Um yeah. if uh-huh. we do it's probably going to wind up in amazing Spider-Man, uh rather than in uh, rather than in in the book that I like to call effing Spider-Man.
3: <laughs>
2: um <laughs> It would probably probably be there because the the whole business with uh, Jonah Jameson suing Peter and all that kind of thing started over there. I personally would love to write a real kind of like killer Peter Parker, Jonah Jameson confrontation. I did something like that ages ago uh, in Web of Spider-Man in which I wrote a story that culminated in this major confrontation between Spider-Man and Jonah Jameson. Um, which it was in a a one-off story called Point of View that I was always really pleased about. Um, But it would would be kind of cool to do something like that. But like I said, it will probably happen in Amazing Spider-Man. Although now now you've got me interested enough to check with the editors and find out whether or not Joe has something like that planned, because if he's not, then I'm going to go, can I do it? (laughs) All right. How closely do you work with the other two writers? Um, Do you guys work together closely outside of the summits that you guys do, like once a year, or do you work? No, okay, no, not really. We're pretty. I mean, occasionally when things are going to interact, um, the editors send send out each other's scripts, and if there's going to be something coming up that's going to directly impact, you know, we'll 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 check in to find out. Um, when it 's going to be due, when it 's going to be happening or what 's going to happen directly after that um and then you know so that we can you know plan accordingly that sort of thing, but it sounds like it 's not like, like we 're always on the phone to each other
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay all right more morbius what's how about your questions let 's hit Peter David up with yours
4: well uh I had four total, but two of them you've pretty much already touched on um one of them was about Spider-Man 2099, and now that you've said that you couldn't use him, do you think there's a possibility you'll be able to in the future?
2: Um, I'm probably not going to at this point just because he was used so recently in Exiles, and they, is he still in Exiles at this
4: point? From what I know, I I haven't been reading the book. Yeah, I mean,
2: because my attitude was I should use him because I think he's a fun character. If he's running around in Exiles, then it's less interesting to me. Not to mention the fact that it's more complicated because I know perfectly well that the Spider-Man 2099 who's running around in Exiles is not the same one that I was doing because he came from a different point in a different timeline in a different universe and therefore it's not the same guy. But if I now have him running around in in friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man at the same time that he's in Exiles, I think it's just going to confuse the crap out of the readers. <laughs> so you know, yeah, I say, well, that's not you know that Spider-Man over in Exiles is not the same one who we're using over here. I mean, I got fans who still don't seem to be able to understand the whole future you know, Uncle Ben story line. So I'm sure <laughs> not going to start bringing in 2099
4: yeah, I think I was one of the few You're people warming. that read that issue of Exiles and saw Proteus come out of the virtual unreality machine and said, hey, that was supposed to be the net profit. But yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, um, another question I had was a lot of your stories, and not all of them, obviously, but a lot of your stories seem to be a little bit on the, on the lighthearted side. It seems well, to be something your stories. Um, so I'm wondering what your feelings are on the darker Spider-Man stories, like Sims Past or Spider-Man Reign. And how much do you enjoy those, and I mean, do you really feel they have much of a place in Spider-Man?
2: I think what one of the reasons that Spider-Man is such an iconic character, one of the reasons that he works so well is because you can do stories of any sort with him. You can do straight-up comedy, you can do something deadly serious, and everything in between. And he works within all of those realms because of, of who he is. So you know, I don't. I, don't I, I haven't read Spider-Man: Rain yet. I have the first two issues. I have not read them yet. Although you know, I, I really should. Um, I've, I've, heard, I've heard very good things about it. But I, I think that ultimately, you know, he works in whatever format you want to put him in, as long as he remains true to himself.
0: Right. All right, guys. I'm, let's go to the message board. We've got uh, two pages worth, Peter. We're about forty, 40 minutes okay. into the it's show, two, and we'll, this will round it out. Uh, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, is
2: that, is that a good like amount of questions?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, okay. that's pretty good. I, I think it'll it'll okay. time out pretty good. The first one is from uh, Venom six five four three seven. He says, "Is that uh, now? Peter, I have to mean,
2: there's there's like sixty five thousand guys named Venom before him. I mean, what's
0: up <laughs> with uh, Yeah, he he had to try a long time on. I was thinking. I'm test. just
2: picturing this four <laughs> bastards. so <laughs> we go six five four three six. Oh poor Six, five, four, three, seven more them! Finally
3: five days in front of my
0: computer and I finally got a frickin' oh, name. Oh man. Okay, go ahead. Wow. He's gonna love that. He's gonna be a member of your your side, my side for years. Anyway, any yeah. chance, he asks. Uh Peter could tell us how he really feels about Peter and Mary Jane being married and not some Joe Q company line, I refuse to believe that every writer, especially one of Peter David's caliber, sees it as a huge problem that just ruins.: I've everything.
2: actually been on record about this before. I have no problem with it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. again, it comes from the notion of, oh well, new and interesting storylines. Um, I mean, hell, back back in back in the day when when Peter Parker and Mary Jane got married, I actually wrote the wedding vows a publicity stunt oh, cool. that was done at Shea Stadium when Spider-Man and Mary Jane got married on the pitcher's mound at Shea Stadium and Stan Lee officiated. Um, so, you know, and I remember sitting there at Shea Stadium in my nosebleed seats while, while Peter, while Spider-Man and Mary Jane got married and, you know, surrounded by already drunk New Yorkers who were just sitting there going, what the fill-in-the-blank was this shit? At any right. Wow, that that
0: would that would be a very good Trivial Pursuit question. Who wrote Spider yeah, well, Man? Yeah, well, that's the hell that that a hell of a Trivial
2: good? Pursuit question. But at any rate, uh, <laughs> so I've, I've never really had any intrinsic problem, probably because I really like writing dialogue scenes with men and women who are married. You know, or, uh, you know, I, I like writing relationship sequences, so I re- I really don't have any intrinsic problem with it. I mean, does it, does it close the door on Peter getting involved with other women? Well, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, you know, that, that, uh, that uh, tool is, is no longer in the box. But, uh, again, I, I just don't have an intrinsic problem with it. I, I really don't. I know it puts guess, me at you're... odds with, you know, a number of other writers, and I totally respect uh, their position on it. But my attitude is, yeah, sure, I've I got no problem with this.
0: I guess the common complaint on the other side of it is people say it ages the character. You know, you marry him off, you give him a kid, it makes him a little bit older than what's. And I think that that's a
2: perfectly legitimate complaint up until the point where Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man is introduced, at which point then I'm going, okay, what the mm-hmm. hell is your problem now? You know, we've got, we've yeah, got Ultimate exactly. Spider-Man, we've got Marvel Adventure Spider-Man, so we've essentially got two books in which, you know, no, I'm sorry, three. We've got Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Or is Mary Jane? Was Sp- Spider-Man right. was Mary Jane. We have three books out there in which Peter Parker is as much an eternal teenager as Archie Andrews. So mm-hmm. if people want to read the adventures of a perpetually teen Peter Parker, Zint. they now have three books in which <laughs> they can do so. And considering back mm-hmm. in the days of, an, of when Amazing Spider-Man was coming out and Peter Parker was a teenager, a senior in high school, there was only one book that they could read in which he was in right. which he was a high schooler, I'd say they were pretty much ahead of the game. So I don't really quite understand right. the, the point of the objection anymore.
0: Right. All right, Jano-42, again, he <laughs> didn't have to try yeah, to use really. the previous guy to get that <laughs> username. He says, I'd like to ask how the idea for the other came up. Although I'm relatively new to the Spider-Man comics, The Other is one of my favorite stories so far. Oh, he liked
2: it? It was all me.
0: He loved it. Um, (laughs) Honest to God, I have no idea how it came
2: up. And the reason that I don't know how it came up is because I wasn't there when it did. Um, The the Other was a storyline that was already pretty far plotted out by the time that I got involved in the project, um, you know, at the point where they were first working it out, Mark Wade was going to be the one who was writing Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, and then Mark bowed off the project for whatever reason, and I was approached on it, and I was told that the other was was part of the mix from the beginning, and I kind of went, okay, you know, whatever, and I was I I was involved from that point on. I then did get involved in. Some aspects of it, um, my most significant contribution to the whole thing was the concept of the cannibal spiders who showed up, devoured his skin, and transformed into you know essentially his nemesis, because my attitude was that I wanted something really, really lasting to come out of it other than the stingers, which I still personally think right. are kind of cool um, mm-hmm. so that that was you know that that entire development was me that that was my major aspect of the storyline so anyone who likes that okay. you know hey props to me anyone who <laughs> thought that was the one weak point of the other that was Joe's idea
0: <laughs> send, you, send your cards to Marvel Comics <laughs> alright the next one is Tate. I'm gonna butcher this name Tate Chunsa. uh... they said any word on a regular art team for F and Spider-Man
2: <laughs> why should F and Spider-Man be different from any other of my freaking books <laughs> um, um Todd Nolk is going to be back with uh starting the next issue, which Good. I'm ex- has the la- Yeah, the last issue of the Vulture Storyline came out, yeah. So uh Todd, right. to the best of my knowledge, he is the regular penciler for <laughs> the time being. Um which I'm perfectly right. happy with. I thought Scott did a fabulous job on the three issues that he was on. Um, on the other hand, I like mm-hmm. Todd's work as well. I loved working with Todd when we were doing Young Justice yeah. together.
0: You did a great job with him. You were how long were you guys on that book? What seventy issues? No, years, no. I think, the, the
2: series ran, I think, like forty-six issues, something like that.
0: Oh, okay. <coughs> no. a rest minute. Okay, that oh, was you. a great run. I, I, I like what you, you said in your articles in the past, how You know, a guy on a book doesn't get as much credit if he's on there for a long time, but if he hops from book to book. Well, he that's gets it. I mean, the fans, well, again, fair. that's where we yeah. get the
2: fan disconnect between the reality and, and what the fans say. Yeah. I mean, if, right. if, the, if the marketplace was in line with what the fans said that they wanted to see in a Spider-Man book, Marvel, t- Marvel mm-hmm. Adventure Spider-Man would be the top-selling book. It would be the top-selling yeah. book, you know. It's self-contained stories. It's not bogged down in continuity. And it's Peter Parker when he was, you know, in high school. But it's the lowest-selling book. Mm-hmm. Why? Because whenever you do mm-hmm. books that people that are for what you know that are what the fans say they want, the fans regard it as being a kiddie book. Go figure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The second part of his question is uh, he's talking about about JMS leaving Amazing, and would you like to? Uh, become the regular writer on that title or would you like to see if they offer me Spider-Man.
2: amazing i take it in a heartbeat, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh Spidey MTV. Spidey asks, MTV. Uh, p- okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's his, he's at least it's not Spidey M T V five hundred and twenty seven, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this he's actually from Australia, this person. Oh well, good the day. A good eye. And he says, uh, ask Peter David how he likes comics as much now or does he like writing from before with his Hulk run? Uh can he give us oh let's see. Is he having more fun now writing older or at, as you are now or when he was a younger writer? Also give us any hints as uh what he has planned for Spidey in the future and is MJ gonna die? A spider. Boy, there the there
2: note. there's a lot of stuff. Um <laughs> And good day. <laughs> I liked writing comic books when I was younger. I like writing them now. I mean, considering that something like 85% of people in America don't like the job that they're doing, you know, that they do it just to put food on the table, um, I have been extraordinarily blessed to be doing something that I love for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I loved it when I was younger, and I love it now. I think I'm better at it now. I look at stuff that I wrote when I was younger and I kind of wince because all I can see are the flaws. You know, the stuff that came as mm-hmm. a result of lack of experience or lack of ability or what have you.
0: I think I've I think I've heard you tell stories about uh Incredible Hulk three forty with that Wolverine Hulk issue. Don't yeah, you cringe? I, I cringe when you read, that. read it, but and no, yet you people don't, say you that it's stand. one of their
2: favorite books. You know, it it was you right. know, that that was cited as, you know, one of one of fans' all-time favorites, and I look at it and all I can see are the writing flaws. Um, But, you know, that's going to happen. I mean, if you if you ever reach a point where you are 100% satisfied with the quality of the work that you're turning out, you might as well stop. Because if you're not always striving Mm -hmm. to improve yourself, then really, what's the point? Um, So, yeah, like I said, I'm enjoying it as much as much as I ever did, maybe even a little more now, because if for no other reason, I seem to be suddenly undergoing some sort of bizarre Peter David renaissance. Um, I don't know what's up with <laughs> that. All I know is that all of a sudden, lots of people are asking me to do interviews, including this one.
3: So, yeah. I don't. Wow. I mean,
2: hell, just, just a couple of days ago, they interviewed me for Entertainment Weekly, you know, in connection with the oh, Dark Tower awesome. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. My guess is that if I'm anywhere in the interview at all, it'll be kind of like... It's cool, says Peter David, and that's the whole <laughs> shooting match from a 20-minute interview, but, you well, know, what the heck.
0: I, I'd still buy three yeah. copies. <laughs> That'd yeah. be fun. If but I was um, and all right, uh, is, is
2: MJ going to die? Um, well, first right. off, if she were, I sure as hell wouldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> but all, all I will do is quote Quesada, uh, who has stated, I think, that we have no plans to kill off Mary Jane. I mean, am I correct that Joe has there said that? Go. Yeah, you are. I'm, I, I I'm not seen I'm, any yeah, so I yeah. see absolutely no reason yeah. to gainsay that. I mean, you know, what am I going to say? Oh, well, the editor in chief is a liar. No, I, I think you know <laughs> quite the opposite. To the best of my knowledge, right. there have you know there are yeah. still no plans to kill off Mary Jane. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Doesn't go. mean that Joe might not turn around and say, Ah, you know what? Screw it. Let's kill her. Um, doesn't mean that there are plans that nobody has mentioned to me, you know, because.
0: Right. And you know what? You can go back to your previous point, Mary Jane's and three other books. Yeah, exactly. A teenager. <laughs> All right, James Dysart uh, asks uh, about Spider-Man. Uh, it's called the Superman syndrome. He, what, what do you think, Peter, about the constant adding on of powers to characters over time? often in a vain attempt to try to outdo other superheroes, like Superman starting to lift cars and jumping and now lifting plants and faster than 186,000 miles per second. I guess he's talking about, you know, Spider-Man's new powers after that. You think? Um, I don't
2: think...
0: Well, the thing is, I would disagree with the way that the question is framed. I don't believe
2: that Uh the powers that were given to Spider-Man as a result of the other were done as an attempt to outdo other superheroes. I mean, you know, think of the other superheroes in the Marvel Universe. You know, he's, you know, we got, I mean, we, we got the Fantastic Four. We got the Hulk. He's, we've got, you know, we've, you know, we've got, uh, you know, all these other guys. Spider-Man is going to pop his stinger. And what's going to happen? Wolverine's going to look at it and go, ah, oh, that's cute. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to be outdone. By anything like that, if yeah. new powers result um, from you know that come from storylines, well, then that's just because the writers thought that it would be really nifty right. if this happened. I mean, I read the you know I read the script for the issue of Amazing Spider-Man the first time that the Stingers made their appearance, and. Mm-hmm. My now, now, keep in mind that I was a fan long before I was a writer, and my gut reaction the first time that the Stingers made their appearance was, wow, that's cool, I can't wait to play with those. <laughs> I mean, the thing yeah. is that I think fans are resistant to change, generally speaking, and I don't, you know, and even if it makes no sense for them to be resistant to the change, for instance, fans were bitching up one side and down the other about the advent of the uh, the organic web spinners in the first Spider-Man film, which eventually wound up being picked up in the, t- in the comic book as well. But first, they were complaining about the movie, and, oh, my God, he's going to have organic web spinners. Isn't that the most stupid thing <laughs> you've ever heard? Now, of course, my first reaction was, No, getting spider powers from being bitten by a radioactive spider is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. But that ship has sailed. The next thing that occurred to me was, "Hello, Spider-Man, 2099. Organic web shooters did it 13 years ago. What the heck is your problem? You know, Um, so that you know, so it didn't bother me on that basis. It has always been my firm opinion that if Stan Lee had given Peter Parker organic web shooters in Amazing Fantasy 15, but he didn't have spider sense, and they had given him spider sense in the movie. Fans would be in an uproar. Oh, my God, he's got some sort of (laughs) extrasensory perception that enables him to know when bad guys are aiming at him. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How stupid is that? He could be yeah,
0: kind of exactly.
2: Exactly. You know, exactly. you where? Know, <laughs> Wh why does he have an extrasensory perception that doesn't exist in nature? Well, you know what? Yeah. It's because he had an amazing fantasy fifteen, and so you're all used to it. And yeah. and
0: if he had stingers right. in
2: amazing fantasy fifteen, you'd all be used to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, next question from F and spider okay. is his title. I think he's a okay. fan. <laughs> he's from Colorado, and he's one of our favorites on the board. He says, uh, how does a writer like Peter develop a sci-fi fantasy hero story with fantasy ideas and fantasy characters yet still keep it believable and, more importantly, readable? Because I
2: try to, no matter how out there the fundamental concepts may be, I try to have some degree of grounding in reality. I try to have... Issues and considerations and problems that have some resonance to an earthly 21st century audience. I'm really not much for doing stories in which a band of intrepid heroes must go trekking across wild, you know, dangerous land in order to get the glowing gem of a Narfinius so that they can stop the evil ruler Trump Lord from destroying the entirety of the entirety of mega world. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. this is just <laughs> w- way too out there for me. It's it's so far removed from anything that one could possibly relate to on on a right. day-to-day basis that it has no interest to me. No matter what it is that I'm right. doing, it still has to have some sort of real-world resonance. That's how I, you know, that's why I keep it real for myself. That's why I keep it real for the readers. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Okay, we're going to uh, ask a f- couple more questions to okay. keep this at the hour mark. Uh, we're going to hit Spidercraft. He says, uh, Peter, obviously, you've probably read Ke- Kevin Smith's Spider-Man yeah. Black Cat miniseries since you used the new Mysterio and mm-hmm. and Spider-Man a while back. So I was wondering, what do you think of the retcon the Black, Black Cat's history, the fact that she was raped right being a major factor? Well, I don't think it was
2: reality. a retcon. I mean, a, you know, a retcon to me is something very specific, and having a revelation of, oh, my mm-hmm. God, we didn't know that before, isn't a retcon. It's just story development. As a story development, I have to admit, it doesn't do much for me. I mean, what the hell is it that, mm-hmm. you know... That every strong—not every strong female character—but so many strong female characters seem to have to have dealt with rape at some point in their life. I mean, why do we have to keep raping all of our, you know, all of our female characters? You know, (laughs) Sue Dibney wasn't just murdered; she was raped and murdered. The Black Cat was Mm. raped. Red Sonia was raped. Everybody was freaking raped. Mm. And not only was Red Sonia raped, but Red Sonia now, you know. Who's the only man that Red Sonia will ever allow to have sex with her? Someone who's able to defeat her in combat. So essentially, she she walks around, <laughs> you know, her era, trying to find someone who can recreate the circumstances of her rape. I mean, good lord. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not I'm not a real big fan of. of Raping all the female characters. As a matter of fact, that's why I did a that's why I did a, a story element in Teacher <laughs> perfect where the Hulk is essentially raped. Because what the hell? Why not? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the guy. Yeah, really. Turn, and yes. if the Hulk can get raped, you know. Yeah, no kid. Uh, oh. Spidercraft. The second question from him is: uh, What character have you not written in any title Doc that Savage. you want to write?
2: Always wanted to Doc Doc do. Doc Savage. Always want to I do Doc Savage.
0: Uh, the fact. And teaming up no, with the Phantom. No, no, that's another thing. Correctly.
2: Somebody once asked me what my dream project was, and my dream project oh, was dream project. the Phantom okay. meets Tarzan. Yeah, I could, oh, I, I would have that's a right. field day with that's the right. Phantom meets Tarzan. I don't think it's ever going to happen, <laughs> but man, with that kick dance yeah. or what?
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, choice uh, doesn't really have a question, but he thinks it's cool oh, you're well, to talk to the So that's a shout out to you. And Maxa hiss. Asks, uh, oh, we can kind of already hit about your original intentions of the book of okay. F and Spider-Man. Uh, where are you looking to take the book, particularly once JMS leaves the flagship title and the Spider marriage controversy, to put it, is put to rest? I can't re- I can't I really
2: tell I... you for the simple reason that if I do, um, then it's going to blow various right. plot elements that I know are coming up. I mean, I can tell you that over the next issues, we're going to be doing... We have a three-parter with Sandman um, that is going to, in fact, resolve also some of the outstanding questions that people had about the end of the Uncle Ben storyline. I mean, because a lot of people were very confused by the ending of it, which is good because I wanted them to be confused. Um, Some of them drew conclusions that I was kind of stunned that they drew because I'm going, how could they possibly think that? And just about everybody missed a gargantuan clue that I put in at the end of that issue. I mean, just about everybody. So, you know, I, I mean, I want to do a storyline. I'm going to be doing a 3 parts issue with, with, uh, with Sandman that's going to co- culminate in some revelations and resolutions with the Uncle Ben storyline that's going to have people essentially thudding their heads and going, oh my God, how could I not have realized that? I'm so stupid. Peter David is God. <laughs> <laughs> And after that storyline, I'm then going to be
3: yeah.
2: uh exploring the mystery of and resolving the storyline with uh Miss Arrow that uh many people have been wondering about okay
0: right
2: all
0: right that's that concludes the uh the questions on the message board. Let's briefly uh peter talk about about some non spider related titles. I know you have that new book writing yeah, you think it was up
2: a... on the cover. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a huge font. What was I that, a something like that. Font? Holy
2: God! I mean, they <laughs> didn't. They didn't have. They didn't have. You know, headlines about the Titanic sinking that were that were bigger than that.
0: <laughs> They're thi- th- your name sells, I guess. Either that, or they just had to th- put otherwise. something to fill so. the cover up. So. <laughs> Talk a bit about that book. That's a I read second. that. That was a very good read. I'm not, I don't have aspirations to be a a comic book writer or a writer in general. But that that it made me understand reading what the writer generally uh, does to the story. Oh well, basically that that story so that that book actually evolved
2: out of discussions with F and W about the notion of doing another. But I digress. Compilation and what they were more interested in was my doing something very very specific. Um, you know something about mm-hmm. writing comic books. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much where it evolved from.
0: Okay. Also, you've got the Dark Tower comic coming out, and you also have a midnight selling. Yeah, well, essentially,
2: you have to understand that, you know, the street date is Wednesday, as always, you know, the laydown date. Mm -hmm. Um, And what Marvel decided to do for the first time in their history, from my understanding, was to have, was to uh, authorize, you know, the concept of midnight openings. You know that that the that the uh, stores could be selling the book as of twelve o one Wednesday, and from my, from my understanding, 150 retailers in the country are taking advantage of the midnight openings. In my particular instance, mm-hmm. uh, a store called Midtown Comics in Manhattan uh, invited myself and Jay Lee to come and do an appearance at the store for their midnight opening. So that's go you know and. They really have no idea what to expect because they've never done anything like this. I'm figuring it's going to be either or. I'm figuring that either it's going to be packed or you're going to be able to hear crickets chirping.
0: <laughs> Hopefully it's like a I guess they're trying to tie into Land Well, that's, well
2: obviously, yeah, that's it's the inspiration. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh, okay. so I'm probably going to go into the, I'll go into the city on Tuesday and I'll probably go take in a Broadway show because I haven't gone to one in ages mm-hmm. and then I'll go over to Midtown Comics and then we'll see what we see.
0: There you go. Also Future of New Frontier Star Trek New Thank Frontier. You. Love that series. What's the um, future plans? Well, on? at the,
2: uh, there are going to be at least two more books in the series. Um, at the moment, I'm busy writing a Star Trek The Next Generation novel. So, uh, my, my first oh, cool. one in quite some time. Uh, the name of it is uh, Before Dishonor. And uh, that will be coming out... Actually, God knows when that's coming out. Either late this year or early next year. After which, I will then start working on one of the uh, the two remaining New Frontier books on my Gondrat. And after I've written those two, then I guess okay. we see where we stand. There will be a... New frontier novella that will be appearing in a in an upcoming collection of, of stories set in the Mirror Mirror universe.
0: Also, I, I heard on a previous podcast that you were talking about a Hulk Civil War yeah. one shot that you're going that's to right. uh, well, talk a That's right. Well, yeah, um, it's going to be essentially a
2: um, <clears throat> a joining issue that's going to serve to join. You know, that's going to be events that happen between the end of. Um, Civil War Hulk, reaching with the end of Planet Hulk and the beginning of the Civil War Hulk.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I can't go into too much detail, it because I don't want to blow the ending of Planet Hulk. Um, but that, you know, but it is going to essentially join the two and will serve as a means of bringing people up to speed and underscoring the history of the relationships of all the various characters and players. Mm-hmm.
0: I have to tell you Spider-Man is my favorite superhero obviously from the website but Hulk is my second favorite it just it hasn't been the same since he left. I mean I, I hear that, that a lot bit, but, yeah. I just, but I just I I can't I can't get into it. I don't like Planet Hulk. I just can I haven't I didn't like the Bruce Well, Well uh,
2: Planet Hulk has had yeah. a lot of fans though. I mean, you know, it it's uh, yeah. it it went in a very very, you know, different direction from anything that's uh that's really been done. I mean, obviously very inspired by Gladiator. But uh, you know, I I think that uh, I think that there's been some you know fairly you know interesting stories along
0: the way. Right. Also, uh, your other book, Fallen Angel. Mm -hmm. Talk a bit about the future Um, of
2: that. Very, very rosy, as a matter of fact. Um, The the, you know IDW is still very happy with it. I'd like to see sales higher, but then you know, gee, there's a shock. Um, We're doing Mm -hmm. a you know now. The thing is, when a Fallen Angel first started. Uh, for DC there was a lot of mystery as to whether Fallen Angel was actually Linda Danvers Um, that was put to rest Mm -hmm. with the first five issues of the IDW run in which I gave a final uh, origin for the Fallen Angel so we know that she's definitely not Linda Danvers but I've decided you know what it's long enough we now need to have a character in the book who people think might be Linda Danvers so she shows up Mm -hmm. in uh, issue 14 of Fallen Angel and uh, she gets to uh, Bette Noir in a unique way, we shall say, um, and uh, that will be in issues 14 to 16. Then 17 and 18 are going to be a two-part story in which for the first time in her publishing history, uh, fo- the fallen angel is going to have a crossover in which she will meet up with another character, to meet up with a character created by somebody else um you know who has a separate publishing history from Fallen Angel I'm not counting Saxon Violence because I created them along with George Paris but it will be it will be a two-parter and the creator of the other character will be heavily involved with the two-parter involved you know um uh and uh, he will be uh, doing covers and will be drawing half of the first story
0: so it's time no to comment Colin, right
2: I'm just kidding. <laughs> I give. I give. Absolutely. I'm not going to be specific as, as to who it is.
0: <laughs> okay. Also, one other question about Fallen Angel. Uh, does DC have any other plans to trade paperback? I think they did the first. Uh, yep. Don't they have two trade paperbacks. No, they. they just, no, they.
2: Uh, uh, okay. uh, DC recently came out with a trade paperback that collects issues six to twelve. Um, although they have mm-hmm. not stated as such, it would not surprise me in the least if they wind up. Uh, Doing another trade that collects the balance of the uh, of the DC series. Oh, I, it may yeah. be the Fallen Angel actually also, sets a record for a period of time between trade paperback collections. <laughs> it may indeed be the first. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the first uh, character in history to have a trade collection done of stories. Uh, you know, of, uh, of stories after the character has already gone off to another publisher.
0: Well, there you go. Also, I, I Amazoned uh, uh, did a search of your name on Amazon. I found out the Darkness yes. of the Light book by Tori. The first, Talk a bit about that. I that have, is the first book in the that.
2: Hidden Earth series that uh, Tori is going to be publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to know that an Amazon search uh, kicks it up. Um, yeah, it's set in a. It's set in a. In a, actually, it's interesting, considering one of the earlier questions I like got. It is sort of a combination of fantasy and science fiction set in, a, set in a, an Earth of the future where the Earth has been overrun by what we would term mythological beings who have essentially hunted humanity close to extermination and are now involved in hunting each other into
0: extermination. That cool. i, I love thought the it looked cover pretty nifty myself too. Yeah. All right, I'm wrapping it up before we go Peter any any uh exclusives or anything you want to share with us. Oh, I don't know cuz I just did a before. podcast
2: yesterday that I did, a, you know, exclusives on. So Yeah, pretty much. You know, yeah, the much, uh, you know th- and, and and the simple problem is the simple problem is that nothing's happened between yesterday <laughs> between Friday <laughs> and today. You know, it's 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 not like I got a, a you know yeah, a that's... uh a phone call from someone say, hey, you want to do this? You know, on Saturday. Um,
1: <laughs> I was, yeah. let's
2: see. Uh, no, I can't talk about that because it's not a non-disclosure. Um, I, I, will, I will say that I That's... have been speaking to folks at Marvel about uh, possibly picking up mm-hmm. um, uh, a, a new series, um, but I really can't, uh, you know, That's one cool. that I think that if, if I wind up on this series... People will go, oh my God, he's the perfect fit for that. So you know, I mean, because there are series that I could see myself picking cool. up, and people will go, oh my God, why is Peter David writing that? But this would probably be a good fit. <laughs> but I, but like I said, I can't, I can't really go into detail. I wish I could, but I can't.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, Peter, I appreciate you being on the show. You're, you're just as funny on the phone as I you are uh, in the comics and in uh, email. <laughs> so, guys, uh, appreciate it. Uh, this was the sixth podcast for uh, this Crawlspace dot com, and if you want to visit uh, Peter's website, yes, do, to not, Peter go, do not go, do not go to
2: PeterDavid.com because PeterDavid.com is a Cloisonne sports pin manufacturer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm,
2: yeah, I'm, I am, I am Peter David dot wow.
0: At least yeah, it's really not WhiteHouse.com. You know that, that, that could be worse. All right, Peter. Thank you again for all the no uh, years of entertainment. We're We're big fans here at thank the crawlspace. Space. So thank Bye. you, sir.